This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week is very special episode number 300. Yay! Yay! So as we did for episodes 100 and 200, we'll be answering listeners' questions in an Ask Us Anything episode. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and joining me today is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, it is hard to believe that we have done this 300 times. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yes, Gretch, 300 episodes. We have never missed a week, and we've never repeated an episode. We're very proud of ourselves. We're very proud of ourselves. We have some vanity about that. We do. I always say it's like having a child. Like, I cannot remember life before Happier with Gretchen Rubin. It just feels like a blank hole, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it feels like we've been doing it forever. Now, before we get into all the great listener questions, and Elizabeth, I am very much looking forward to hearing you talk about reality TV. Mm. I want to tell everybody that registration is now open for my 12-month video course called the Happiness Project Experience for 2021. There's a flexible structure, monthly calls with me, a private community, text message reminders, and a lot more. This is a tool that will help you identify the resolutions that will bring more happiness to your life and then help you keep those resolutions. Go to GretchenRubin.com slash T-H-P-E and use the promo code HAPPIER to get $25 off. That's if you are ready to invest in your happiness, health, and well-being with a lot of other people who also want to grow, connect, and build a happier life. So join today. And also a reminder that if you are planning to give my books as gifts and you would like to have a personalized signed book plate, Please do send in the request as soon as possible because I want to make sure I get it to you on time. This is for U.S. and Canada only. I'm sorry that's about mailing costs, but let me know, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. 
And one more thing before we get to listener questions, Elizabeth, let me ask you a question. Mm. How are you feeling about our canceled trip to Kansas City? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we were supposed to be in Kansas City for this episode. We were going to tape it together in Kansas City, just the two of us for a holiday gathering, because obviously we haven't been able to see mom and dad. And we planned it to be like a little before the usual holiday season. We thought, okay, well, we'll do this very safely. We'll keep it small. We'll go ahead of the when everybody else is traveling. Yeah. And then the COVID numbers just got so bad that the four of us decided this just isn't a good idea. We just have to cancel. Bringing up together all these different households just wasn't responsible. So I'm really sad. But at the same time, I know that I'd regret it more if we went and something happened. Someone got sick. So I kind of feel at peace with that. I think we all do. I think there was kind of a lot of anxiety about making the decision. And then it just got to a point where we're like, this is very clear to all of us. And then there there came kind of the resolution of this is the plan. And now we're going to make the best of it. Yeah. So hopefully next year we will have a fantastic Christmas. All of us together. Next year's my year for Kansas City. Yes. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, now for listener questions. Okay, this one comes from Diana. She writes, I love how the two of you promote reading. Have you ever felt guilty about your love of reading? I have the day off today, and all I want to do is read and go for a run, but I'm fighting a part of myself that says there are so many other things I should be doing. Mm. Well, Gretchen, you read more than anybody I know. Do you ever feel guilty about your reading? You know, it's funny. I almost feel like guilty if I'm not reading. I think some people think, oh, I should get off the couch and start doing something else. I almost feel like, why am I doing something else I should be reading? So I don't I don't feel guilty about it. And I have to do a lot of work reading. Right. So sometimes I, I will say like, oh, I shouldn't be rereading a children's literature book that I've read <laughs> eight times before. I should read Walden by Thoreau, um, you know, and that's kind of work reading. So I don't really feel guilty about it. How about you, Elizabeth? Yeah, I only feel guilty, and we've discussed this, if it's like I'm reading when I should be working, Yeah, you know, and that is the like point of anxiety. One thing you always talk about, scheduling time for things that are a priority. Yeah. So maybe if she took your advice and sort of scheduled five hours of reading for her day off, then she wouldn't feel guilty about it because she'd scheduled it. Yes. And it was sort of in the plan. I think that's a great suggestion. It's a really good use of your time. Yeah. I mean, whenever you read, you learn and you, it builds empathy for other people, you know, and you become a better writer, which is always a good thing. So yes. yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah. You have our permission to read as yeah. much as you want. Diana. <laughs> yes. yes. And whatever you want. Now, Elizabeth, this is a question about how we were raised. Kate asks, my husband and I are both only children. We now have three kids, nine years old, six years old, and an eight-month-old. One of my greatest wishes for my children is that they will be dear friends as adults. I know you have mentioned before that your parents helped pay for you to visit one another when you were in college or starting out. What other things did your parents do to help build your relationships? We need tips. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, and Gretchen, we actually um, had a moment to ask mom and dad. We did. uh, so we we went straight to the source. Yeah. And mom did think our age difference was a big factor because we weren't sort of in competition with each other at school. She said we didn't even have a lot of the same teachers. Yeah. I sort of didn't want to do what you were doing. You didn't want to do what I was doing. So that sort of 
created a lack of conflict, which was good. But she also pointed out that when we were younger, we weren't particularly interested in each other. We weren't mean to each other, but we didn't take a lot of interest yes. in each other, which is a good a good reminder that your children could maybe not be so close when they're young. And then when they're young, older, and the age gap kind of vanishes, then they could become quite close. So yes. that changes over time. And then they also um, said that they thought of a lot of it was just who your kids are. Like yeah. if they have similar interests, you yes. and I have always had interesting conversations as we've yeah. gotten older, yeah. but it's like, if I only cared about sports, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have that much in common, right? you know? Right. So it's, it's part of it is just who your kids are. So yes. their advice was to not take it so much on yourself, right. but just yes. let it be. And what will be, will be. Yes. But I think one thing they didn't mention so much, but I think we should give them a gold star, is they never compare us. They never say, yes. why can't you be more like Elizabeth? Or, yeah. well, you know, Elizabeth did it this way. Or 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 set us against each other in any way or, like, made us sort of fight for, for their attention right. or, or for anything. Right. We both probably feel like we're the favorite child because they, they really lavish the love on both of us. Yes. Okay, Jessica says, Elizabeth has mentioned a few times how much she loves the last scene of Mad Men. Can she talk about why? Would love to hear a TV writer's take. Oh, yes, Elizabeth. Oh, my God, my favorite subject. Well, let me first say what the end is for anyone who didn't see it. Okay, so spoiler alert. If you're like me, you haven't seen Mad Men. (laughs) Though I have watched this last scene because Elizabeth loves it so much. But Don Draper, the main character, has gone through sort of an existential crisis about his life, and he ended up driving cross country and he ended up at I forget what the real name of it is but sort of a hippie famous hippie community in California and he checks in there and he goes to all these group sessions and he does yoga and he you think he's giving up his ad life forever because now he's you know entering sort of that culture and then after decompressing at this place and meeting all these people, he's doing yoga on a cliff, and there's a long pause, and then suddenly he smiles. I'm getting chills as I talk. I about am it. too. It's like a smile of realization or recognition or like satisfaction. Yes, a smile like, of oh, realization. And it cuts to a real life. Coke commercial, the one where people are standing outside and singing, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. I like to teach the world to sing. Sing with me. And you see in the commercial, what they did is they planted people at his community, like they're girls with braids. And then you see girls with braids in the ad. And what I love about it is when it's like probably one of the most, if not the most iconic ad of all time, you see how Don's life is going to unfold and the life of everyone in his office. Like, you know, that this means he's not checking out. He's now going to be the biggest person in advertising. (laughs) And Joan is going to, like, produce his ads. And Peggy is going to be president of whatever. You know what I mean? And you just see how it all came together. And it's actually a quite cynical ending in many ways. Because once Mm -hmm. an ad man, always an ad man. 
But I just thought it was so genius, and I love that commercial. So it just gives gave me. I mean, I I almost fainted as I said when I saw it. I was like that blown away. And I want to watch the whole series just so that I can really appreciate that moment. Well, and as a writer, when she says like yeah. as a TV writer, it's just the I like ending something is so hard. Yes, it's so hard. And so the idea that there would be like such a perfect ending, it's just so satisfying. It makes me happy just to hear you talk about it. Okay, Sarah in Portland, Oregon asks, as an upholder and writer trying to establish my writing practice, I'm very interested in Gretchen's research and writing schedule. I know your workday must be very busy. I'm curious how you structure your day to actually get the research and writing done and not let the distracting busy work get in the way. Ah, well, that's a problem. Also, do you do your research first and then do a marathon writing session in which you put it all together? Do you research right? How do you keep track of your sources? Do you use special software or old-fashioned Word document? How do you know when it's time to stop researching and start writing? It feels like research could go on indefinitely. Mm, you always say that, Gretchen, that yeah. like you could just keep researching forever because you Yes, love you research. can keep going. And so you have to be able to shut that off. Also, there's a problem which my agent calls the no note card left behind problem, which is any fact <laughs> that you've recorded, you feel like you want to work in because you don't want to leave it on the cutting room floor. And part of what you have to do is cut. Just a gigantic amount of what I actually write in a draft is cut, let alone the notes that I take. I do not use any fancy source software, though I have friends who are like biographers and stuff who do really swear by software. So if you have complicated bibliographic material, you might investigate that because I think it can be really useful for tracking. I just do it very old school, and that works for me given the way that I use sources. I tend to research after a certain point, like I'll take a ton of notes and then I start trying to organize them. And the organizing is how I start to write a book essentially. Like I start organizing, organizing, organizing my notes, and then sort of imperceptibly, I start drafting it into a book. And then at a certain point, I'm like, okay, now I have to like actually go through and knit it all together. So it, but, but I will keep researching. Like right now I'm writing my book about the five senses, but I'm also continuing to research my book about the five senses. And so when I find something that I want to put in, I just slot it in in the right place. Plus I have a huge section called where, which is things that I don't know <laughs> where they go yet. And, and how to avoid the busy work? Well, this is the million-dollar question, I think, for all of us, because you could spend all day doing your email. I'm a real morning person, so I will typically try to work really hard on anything that's intellectually taxing early, like, say, before 10, and really focus on what's very, very hard. And then as my day goes on, I try to make things easier and easier as I go because sort of my mental capacities start to become more taxed. Yes, you get up at 6 a.m. seven days a week, I should I do, and I love that time because that's when I can concentrate the best and I feel like I can focus most. Yes, absolutely. Vanessa says, I really appreciate how the Happier podcast is concise and consistent in length and content. I wondered if you could tell me about your podcast preparation process. I've heard you mention having a conversation to plan out the podcast episode and then a recording time. Do you script each episode? My friend and I are starting a podcast soon, and we're wondering if we should write a script and how to plan out our episodes. Any help or resources you can suggest would be so appreciated. Okay, well, we do plan it out. And we mm -hmm. also, I should mention, have sort of a policy of not chatting about random stuff. Yes. Which we think everyone should have. Yes. Beware of banter is how Beware this appears on the podcast manifesto. Yes. 
So we we have a very, if you've listened to the podcast, you probably hear how we have a very clear structure. Every week we have a Try This at Home. Every week we have Demerits and Gold Stars. Every 100th episode we have an Ask Us Anything. <laughs> we, so we have a lot of structure and we try to make our structure very visible because we think that's good for listeners. But it also helps us when we're going through because we sort of know, oh, it's time for a Know Yourself Better question. Let's Let's figure out a cool, interesting Know Yourself Better question. So we'll talk about that. When we were starting, we were much more scripted. If you listen to earlier episodes, you can hear that probably. Now we know what we're going to say in terms of, oh, you're going to tell that story about Jack having to manage the Zoom problem that he had. Yeah. But we won't write it out or practice it or anything. We'll just sort of talk about what we want to talk about so that we make sure that we have a lot of material to cover, but keep it spontaneous. And Gretch, you write a script, sort of an outline, I guess we call it, yes. for each episode that we follow yes. to sort of keep us on track. Um, yes. Along then, with links, like if we yeah. mention an article or a resource, we might put the, we'll, I'll put the links in there so we remember to mention them. And then Chuck Reed, our executive producer, also will cut out when we, you know, unnecessary stuff we say and all of our gaffes. Yeah. So that's part of why it sounds hopefully professional. <laughs> uh, and then we do have some resources to mention, Grudge. Yes. Um, if you're interested in kind of the podcasting industry, we highly recommend the newsletter called Hot Pod by Nick Qua, Q-U-A-H. He is a guy that we worked with way back when we were at Panoply starting out. He's a brilliant guy. He does really tremendously informed analysis of what's going on in podcasting. So if you want to sort of follow it from the business side, sign up for Hot Pod. And then Kristen Meinzer, who is one of our first producers, has yes. a great book called So You Want to Start a Podcast, Finding Your Voice, Telling Your Story, and Building a Community That Will Listen. And you'll link to that. And so that's really, if you want to start a podcast, yes. read this book. Yeah. One thing we really feel strongly about is that you need to be consistent. So don't yes. start it unless you're ready to be consistent because yes. the way to build an audience is consistency or it's yes. one of the one of the main ingredients. Yes. And listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, because you'll see things that you think work or don't work. Like yes. we happen to really like podcasts with segments, yes. um, which is a reason why we wanted to have segments. Yes. And good luck. It's always yes. exciting when someone's starting a podcast. Yes, Because we love podcasts. We love more podcasts for all. And I will also link to the, our podcast manifesto, which is um, kind of our aspirational you yeah. know, aims uh, for the podcast. We don't always stick to it, but we, we always think about it. Coming up, Gretchen answers some four tendencies questions, but first is break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, time for some four tendencies questions. And remember, if you do not know if you are an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or rebel, as we're going to talk about in these questions, you can take the free quick quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com and it will tell you what your tendency is and give you like a little report. So Catherine asks, I have noticed that a big pitfall of being an obliger is that when it's time for me to move on regarding a particular approach to eating or exercise or spiritual practice, the social bonds that I've created around my behaviors act as a barrier to me doing what's best for myself. For instance, I practiced martial arts for seven years, but when it was time for me to move on, the idea of telling people about dojang was quite painful as I felt I was betraying them. It can be easier for me to stay in the group for longer than is good for me because I don't want to offend or betray anyone. I'd love it if you could explore this. Well, this is a great example of an obliger wanting to meet those outer expectations and why those outer expectations can really help you stay consistent mm-hmm. when you want to pursue that behavior. But then, as Catherine says, it could get in your way if now you want to cease those expectations and turn your attention elsewhere. Elizabeth, you're an obliger. So yes, I, I yeah. relate I relate to this. I definitely would feel guilty leaving as well. An idea that can often help with obligers is the idea that if I say yes to some people, that means I have to say no to other people, meaning there's no way to say yes to everyone. So I have to decide who I want to say yes to. So if you're like, I'm really pulled toward this new yoga class. I really admire this teacher. I'm really excited to be part of this. If I'm going to say yes to that, I have to say no to something else. And so sometimes that can help you balance it out and see that you just need to make the right decision based on the fact that all expectations cannot be that. Yeah, and we actually talk about this in tomorrow's episode of Happier in Hollywood, Gretch, episode 184 with Michael Melcher, who's your Mm. friend and mine of the um, Career Stewardship Podcast. He gives us a lot of tips about how to quit because people can have a problem with Mm -hmm. quitting and you want to quit in a way where all your relationships stay good. Mm-hmm. And one thing he points out is that people understand more than you might think mm-hmm. that you want to leave something. Mm-hmm. 
that it doesn't work for you anymore or you're ready for a change or a new challenge and they're more they're they're more understanding than you might expect. Yeah, and he was really talking about jobs, but I think it applies to anything you want to quit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Libby from Charlotte asks How can an upholder be a loser? Gretchen mentioned that a rebel can be successful and an upholder can be a loser. I get a rebel being a success, but I can't wrap my mind around someone who meets inner and outer expectations being a loser. How can this happen? Are there examples? Oh, I love this question. Well, of course, I don't want us to call anybody a loser, but you know, if we just sort of understand what that means. So you can, this can come up in two ways. One is you can just have a slacker upholder. So I've met slacker upholders where like they do meet all inner and outer expectations for themselves, but they just have very low expectations. They don't really ask anything of themselves and they don't put them in a situation where very much is expected of them. So they're fulfilling everything, but they just have an extremely low standard. And That's pretty unusual, but I have seen that. So that's kind of slacker upholder. Probably how it comes up more is rigidity, is when a you get someone who is so looking so carefully at the rules where they're looking at, you know, they cannot deviate from Mm. what they think is right or correct, that it really trips them up or causes them to not be able to succeed, not be able to move forward, not be able to work successfully with other people. And if I think of like a famous example of this, I would point to someone like Stannis Baratheon in the Game of Thrones TV show. Stannis is an upholder. Brienne of Tarth is an upholder. Of course, they face off at the end to each other. But I think Stannis, it's like he's so rigid. Mm. He, he, he doesn't even seem like he wants what he says he wants. He just feels like he has to go for it. And so I think rigidity, if you think about like the bureaucrat who if it's one minute late or if the I isn't dotted or, right. you know, you, where there's something that makes no difference, but they can't let it go. Um, I think that can cause, that can make upholders. They can get in their own way in a yes, sense. Yes, yes. That they be, can become less successful than they would otherwise be. Well, that's interesting. And now Lane says, I've taken the four tendencies quiz and I'm an obliger. Do you have any tips or ideas on how to hold myself accountable? I thought if I paid for something, that would motivate me to do it. I'm thrifty, so I don't like throwing money away. For example, I signed up for the Happiness Project Experience and read the book, but I didn't follow through. I fell behind after just a few months, so I caught up, but I didn't do all the work to get the benefit. I just needed to check off the boxes that I finished. I can't decide if this means I don't really want to do what I think I want to do or if it's something else. I'm not on Facebook. I don't think strangers in an online community would help to hold me accountable. Can you offer guidance? Mm. So this is the thing. Obligers need to have outer accountability. That's universal for obligers. But what they respond to is very, very different. So like she talked about the Happiness Project experience. Yes, you can join an online community. And for many people, they find that incredibly helpful. Some obligers have to be accountable to actual people they actually know. So then you would have to like start a group text or make a group outside with people that you actually know. Elaine also mentions paying for some obligers. If they pay for something, they are going to do it because they feel like that money really holds them accountable. Some obligers, it almost makes them feel like they're off the hook. Kind of like I've paid my money. Like now I've sort of done what I need to do here. I don't actually have to follow through. So what I would say is you're, you're well on your way to understanding because you're understanding what doesn't work. So that's very valuable. So it seems clear that you need, and it, you also sound like the kind of person who probably wouldn't be able to use the future self. Like Elaine right now doesn't feel like doing this work, but future Elaine will really wish that she'd gone through the Happiness Project experience. That works for some obligers, but not others. Sounds to me like you need an actual person. I was so, going to say, that's what I keep thinking. Buddy, she needs a buddy. 
a buddy or even better, a group, like more than one. So if one person kind of gets distracted, you, you still have the other person. This is a lot of times why people hire coaches, because then there's somebody who's like paid to hold you accountable, but you can also do it with buddies. And so I think it is to just keep trying until you find the kind of accountability that works for you. Yeah, I would just say on the buddy, though, Gretchen, sometimes having only one person is better because then ah. they really need you. Ooh, good My friend point. Amanda and I text each other about how many steps we're doing each day. Yeah. And it's like if it was a group texting, I wouldn't feel as much of an <gasps> yes. obligation because I'd be like, oh, everyone else is doing it. I won't worry about it. But since it's just the two of us, yes, it's like all we have is each other. So I actually think one person Ooh, a lot of times well, can be better than a group. Well, and this is the motto of the obliger, which is you can count on me and I'm counting on you to count yes. on me. So with two, it's like if you slack off, the other person will feel like they can slack off. So you have to stick to it so that they'll stick to it because yes. they're counting on you. Okay, And it's Great. been very effective for the two of us. Excellent. Well, good luck, Elaine, finding that accountability. Yes. Okay, Alyssa, this is a question for you. Amy asks, I have a question regarding The Real Housewives and reality TV in general. I've only watched snippets of Housewives, The Bachelor, and other reality shows. I just don't get it. They seem to take themselves seriously, and all the hype around the shows seem to project that these women wake up looking glamorous. Bachelors and bachelorettes actually think this is a good way to find a life partner, etc. Or are they making fun of everything? I love a good, juicy soap opera drama show, but we know that these are not true. To this Midwesterner, these reality stars come across as funny as shallow. What am I missing? I love both happier podcasts. Well, we're Midwesterners too yes. from KCMO. So Elizabeth, speaking as a Midwesterner who loves her reality <laughs> TV, what do you say? Okay, well, first of all, Housewives and Bachelor are in a very different category. <laughs> okay, um, so now we got to get our text on down. So, but let me just talk about the Housewives because that's what I usually talk about on the show. The Bachelor is just something that I find to be comforting because I've watched it so long. Uh-huh. But I don't have as much of a need to watch The Bachelor. Like it's just <laughs> it's it's very it's low. It's I I do watch all the episodes, but it's not. It doesn't give me the same thing the Housewives give me. Okay. So one thing that I love about The Housewives that I don't think people talk about enough is that it is the only place on television where women of a certain age are the stars of the show and they're all anyone cares about. So you have women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s starring in these shows getting all of the screen time. Their husbands are like, who cares about them? Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. And I like seeing these women interact with each other. That's what interests me. Hmm. Some of it is like amped up for the camera, of course. Certain things are produced, but they really are going through their lives. And I am just one of those people that loves observing people's lives. So uh -huh. I am very interested, you know, in these marriage issues that come up or, or friendship issues and yes, sometimes it's ridiculous, but many of the women are also legitimately very funny. I mean, uh -huh. the shows are cast really well to feature women with strong opinions who are often very funny and smart. So I just enjoy watching them. But I have, as I've said, it's not a guilty pleasure for me. It's just a pleasure. Yes. It's not for everybody, but for yeah. me, it feeds my soul. I say, you know, some people love to hate the housewives. I just mm -hmm. love the housewives. Right. Not all of them, but many of them. 
And there's a new franchise, Housewives of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, yeah, um, which has a whole other dimension to it. And so now I'm also adding that to my roster. <laughs> like it makes you happier. Makes me. Oh, it makes me happier, Gretchen. The Housewives have gotten me through this pandemic. And I have heard many people say the same thing to Andy well, Cohen. And it's gotten you on your treadmill desk. You're yes, walking miles yes, and miles and miles yes, pa- yes. doing the strategy of pairing with your More treadmill housewives. desk. And- we need that Real Housewives of Encino. Yes. <laughs> yes. You'll be one of the yes. Coming up, we're going to answer our rapid fire questions. But first, this break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has Greenlight, and one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one-time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Okay, rapid fire. From Andrea from Long Island, New York. This question is for Gretchen. If I saw you at the Met, would it be okay to say hello or would you prefer to be left alone? I love it when people say hello. If you see me at the Met or if you see him in Central Park, because I often am walking in Central Park, please come up and say hello to me. I love to say hi to listeners. So please do say hello. Lisa from Macomb, Illinois asks, from time to time, Gretchen mentioned she has organized her recent photos into photo books. Gretchen, would you please elaborate on your system for those of us who need help organizing photos? Do you have a favorite photo book service? Do you design the books yourself or let the service do it for you? Okay. So I did not do much research when I did this, but I use Shutterfly and I have great luck with Shutterfly. I do the thing where they autofill for you, but then I go through and move them around because sometimes like one will be huge, which is not an important picture. And I want a different one to be big and a different one to be small. So I sort of fuss with it, but I do the autofill 
So it can go pretty quickly. I handwrite the captions. That makes it much faster. It's messier, but it's faster than typing them in. I will say if you go to Shutterfly, they typically have very deep discounts. So if you go to the homepage and look for at the like at the ban- the banner across the top, it'll often say like 50% all photo books today or something. So always check the homepage there. And if you are looking for holiday gifts, you can make mugs, water bottles, ornaments, fleece, blankets, all kinds of stuff using photos. So I really do like Shutterfly. And I think when photos are involved, we have to mention Framebridge. Oh yes, our favorite Framebridge. Okay, they are our sponsor. This one, this is not an ad. <laughs> they paid for we just love their their uh their service because this is a way if you want to frame a photo again like a holiday gift or whatever that makes it very very simple to do something that's like looks great with like minimal effort minimal effort yes oh and elizabeth my friend sophie asks why does elizabeth also go by liz Because when I changed schools in fourth grade, I went to the Sunset Hills School and there was another girl in the class named Liz Berkowitz. And I I remember Liz Berkowitz. Yes. And I had always been Elizabeth, but everyone just started calling me Liz Craft and her Liz Burke. And I have been Liz ever since. So our family, though, still calls Elizabeth Elizabeth. Yes. And the funny thing is, I always call Elizabeth Elizabeth on the podcast, but all listeners refer to Elizabeth as Liz. They all get that she's actually Liz out in the world. And how that happens, I think, is a big mystery. Well, I think it's partially because my Instagram handle is at Liz Craft. Ah, okay. But there you go. There you go. Or they listen to Happier in Hollywood and hear. Or they Liz listen to Happier in Hollywood because you're Liz there. You also have a couple of last names. Your yes. name is. Very, I know when I'm sending you a package, I'm like, I hope they know she could be going through <laughs> like doing business as many, many different things. I know what my monogram is always a question. <clears throat> my friends, my mom friends, refer to me as LC. Sarah says, I have a super random question for Gretchen. Have you ever thought about getting LASIK or any other form of laser eye surgery? I know many people who have had great experience with LASIK. I know a couple of people who have not had a great experience with LASIK. I am so, so nearsighted, so incredibly nearsighted that I would never do anything that could even potentially affect my eyesight. So, no. I had one person describe the smell to me, and that was that nope. for me. Okay. Wow. There we go. Jean says... Elizabeth, does living in L.A. worry you? I think about moving there and have many friends there, but when I read about fires, earthquakes, high temperatures, and drought, I think maybe it's not a good idea. (laughs) Yes, Jean, I do worry about living in L.A. I remember my friend Tish lived in Northern California, and there were all the fires, and I thought she was absolutely insane. And now here I am living in California, but I love it so much. It's also really where I have to be for my job. So while I do worry about it, I can't imagine leaving because it's kind of paradise with traffic. And fires, earthquakes, and And, Yeah. (laughs) Aside from that, aside from living through a disaster movie, it's paradise. Okay, but there was just an earthquake right in in my neck of the woods. I have a friend who lives in Massachusetts. She's like, oh my gosh, I think I was just in an earthquake. I'm like, in Cambridge? But yeah, they just had an earthquake. Debbie has a question for both of us. She is an upholder from London and asks, does constantly being on the lookout for ways to be happy ever make you unhappy? Mm, That's a good question. Doesn't make me unhappy. Doesn't make me unhappy. I feel like it's fun. I feel like it's energizing. Yeah. It it gives us a, a, a little project, a constant project. Yes. And I think that we also both accept that we do feel negative emotions. It's not like you or I 
tell ourselves or each other that we're not allowed to feel sad or angry or disappointed or guilty or whatever. We experience those emotions. We talk about those emotions. We don't hide from that. No, no. Gretchen, I will say the number one question that anybody asks me about you, because of course I meet people who've read your books and are very interested in you. And they always say, is she happy? Is she really happy? Or is that just, you know, is she just, <laughs> just acting like, happy? The long con. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, she is really happy. But, Aww. you know, she's normal, but she's really happy. Yeah. And also doing the podcast makes us happy in such a huge way, you know, that part of that, especially for you, is looking for ways to be happier. So you always say live in an atmosphere of growth is kind of the ultimate to me key to happiness. And I do think the podcast adds just an ongoing weekly atmosphere of growth to our lives that makes us really happy. And then we do those things and they they often do make us happier. So it's sort of a a positive cycle. Like walk 20 for 20. It was like, oh my gosh, we found this idea. Then we did it and made us happier. makes everybody else happy. That makes us happy. It's like, it's great. So no, the search for happiness does not make us unhappy. Uh, Now we've answered your questions. We have two questions for you. We've been asking these because we're gathering together. We are going to do a deep dive into success stories from walk 20 and 20. So if you've had a great experience with your walk 20 and 20 this year, Please let us know because we're going to share those to kind of get people fired up and encouraged and give them ideas for how to move forward. We also want to hear your ideas for how you're going to exorcise 2020. What (laughs) ritual can you perform to exorcise 2020? Maybe it is burning your yoga pants. Maybe (laughs) it is getting rid of that sourdough starter. Um, Whatever it is, we want to know. We're looking for ideas. Yes, we want to hear from you. And you can always ask us questions. This was a whole very special episode, but we answer listener questions all the time. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. As always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash, you guessed it, 300 for everything related to this episode. And the resources for this week, if you would like to potentially win a signed personalized copy of my best-selling book, The Happiness Project, you can enter by following my Instagram account at Gretchen Rubin, like the giveaway post, and comment on the post tagging three friends. If you win, I will send you a signed personalized book. And this is for U.S. readers only, alas, because of mailing costs. And again, don't forget that registration is now open for the Happiness Project experience. If you've ever wanted to do a Happiness Project experience, join us now before the price goes up at the end of November. There's all kinds of tools and, and solutions and resources to help you stick to your resolutions and identify your re- resolutions. So to make 2021 your best year ever, register before the price goes up at GretchenRubin.com th. P-E. And get that buddy to help you stick to it. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Thanks for joining us to celebrate our 300th episode. It is hard to believe. Thanks to our producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Thank you all. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. So, Gretch, what will be happening when we hit 400? 
Like, will Eleanor still be living at home? I don't know. I, I, I got to figure out the math on that. But wow, we didn't see 300 coming. Who no. knows what 400 has in store for us? I know. That's so true. From the Onward Project.